All right, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to another episode of the Tailgate Kings. I'm Dr. Die here with Chef Chad and Jason Reynolds over there in Ohio. And we're going to be talking quarterbacks, a little bit of baseball, and then, you know, the NBA is trying to trying to take over the sports sports arena, but the NFL, man, still seems to be dominating with all these quarterback questions. And and we've got a new one yet again this week with uh, with more news of Russell Wilson not wanting a trade, but you know, if he wanted a trade, you know, there's four teams he wouldn't mind going to guys. So we've got a lot of quarterbacks to talk about. Drew Brees still hasn't retired. Uh, Big Ben apparently is coming back. Um, like I said, lots of stuff to talk about here going forward. But let's start with Russ because he mentioned the Saints, guys. He mentioned the Saints as a possible place he, he might want to go. All right. It, realistically, he's not going anywhere. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. He's going to be on the Seahawks next year. But he's he's kind of maybe in that Aaron Rodgers camp of what about the year after? Or is Russ going to be in Seattle forever? So, Jay, what do you see happening with Russell Wilson going forward? Man, I wish we had the cap space to take him on the Saints. Because <laughs> that would be like the ideal transition, right, Drew Brees to Russell Wilson. Especially as Wilson has the unique ability to run both the Drew Brees playbook and the Taysom Hill playbook. You could not think of a better guy to, to slot in there. It would just be perfect. But I don't see the Saints having the cap space. I, I see him ending up on the Bears. Uh, it, the Bears are the most likely landing spot. And then after that, I would take Vegas. He says Dallas and, and New Orleans. I want him in New Orleans, but I don't see us having the cap space. Uh, the, the Cowboys already have their DAC issue, and they're probably just going to franchise him again and do the Kirk Cousin things with him. So, so that leaves us with the Bears and the Raiders as places that Russ would want to go. Russ has already insulted his offensive line. I, I, I don't see him buying them watches or cars for Christmas. I don't know if they want to play with him anymore after his attitude towards them. Uh, so, so I think Russ is gone. The, the Bears strike me as the best landing place, but the Raiders also have the cap space. So those are two places he's willing to go, and they're two places that have both draft picks and cap space to take them. So, so I feel like either one of those is a good match. The Bears seem to be more the type of team he would go to. You know, I, I, I can see everything you're saying, but, but it's the cap space issue you keep talking about. And Russ is going to be a $32 million cap hit, regardless for the Seahawks. So it's going to be hard to move him. And Chad, a lot of this goes to, you know, things you always talk about with these multi-year contracts. And we're seeing, in some ways, bite these quarterbacks in the behind, right? Watson just signed his with uh, Houston, and now he's going to be some huge cap hit, you know? Russ, Russ is a huge cap hit. Part of the reason that I think the Steelers are willing to negotiate with Big Ben is because even if they cut him, he's still like a $22 million cap hit. So these guys and their contracts really are hindering where they're going to go. Chad, do you see that being one of the reasons that Russ maybe winds up in Seattle for one more year, or do you see him getting moved regardless of the cap situation? Whenever you get told, I'm not leaving except, then you can guarantee <laughs> that you're getting left. Whatever, whatever that is, however that splices out, you're, it's over. That's, that's it. It's over. I'm not going to leave unless it's for, okay, that means you would leave and you're ready to leave. And how can you blame him, dude? I mean, that guy gets smacked around more than anybody. He hasn't had the organization that has committed to him on the level that he's needed so he can keep himself safe as a, as a guy who invests as much in his body and, and pays to be great out of his own pocket. You know, how do you blame somebody like that for not wanting to go work for somebody who's more committed to what you want to do as a man and organizationally fits who you are? Who doesn't want to do that? I mean, that's, that's the issue I've had with the contracts, Matt. You know, you, you bring it up. It's, it's why would anybody lock themselves? It, it's not 1956 anymore. We don't work for organizations for 20 years. It just doesn't happen. There's very few that that happens. There's divergent needs and interests and you go your different ways. So these guys, I think, should be looking out and, and investing in themselves like LeBron has and how Kobe did and how you see Russ doing. They put so much money like Mr. Brady. It's all about keeping themselves in peak optimal form and they should be rewarded for that. And they shouldn't have to take, if they're going to be the face of the franchise and they're going to, every time they end an interview, go Hawks. I mean, 
how do you not want that guy on your team? He's committed to you. Then do what it takes to keep him upright and happy and involved. And they're not doing that organizationally. And that's just a fail on organizations. That's kind of where we are in pro sports. A lot of that going around, Matt. You know, Chad, wouldn't you say that, you know, his contract has kind of hindered what the organization can do when you take that much money, when you invest that much money in a quarterback? We're seeing it. A lot of these teams are very competitive with quarterbacks like Tom Brady, who's on a friendly deal, or with quarterbacks still on rookie contracts like the Bills and the Chiefs and whatnot. I guess, you know, the Chiefs just officially signed Mahomes. But um, but still, you know, these guys were all on technically rookie deals, low money. They could build the rest of the team. After, you know, think about Russ, his first couple of years got to two Super Bowls with, uh, with the Seahawks. And now all of a sudden, after they give him a ton of money and they can't put all the parts around him, we're seeing now, you know, that, you know, there's not as much success. So, I mean, is, is, is there some culpability that we have to take to, to quarterback contracts and kind of how ridiculous they've gotten, you know? Jay, for instance, you always point out, you know, Tannehill's contract, how it's just a ridiculous number. But in reality, it's kind of the, the going rate, you know? So are we at the point – are we hitting a point where, you know, maybe contracts need to get down to for quarterbacks one-year deals? Like I'm thinking about when Joe Burrow – is going to re-up in three, four years with, with the Bengals, I right? can't. I can't believe you're now finally fully on my side, Matt. You I'm not. I, no, I'm not. You, I, I, you, know, you, you just said it. You said it. You said it. After I've been saying it, you just said it. I'm not opposed to the idea. You know, I'm not opposed to it. You know, I think some guys you should invest in. I just don't understand this whole cap situation. Like, I, like I said, I have to feel like I have to super research how the NFL's cap structure works where, you know, even if you cut a guy, like, you know, even if – even if the Steelers, like, you know, had, like, we're like, all right, we're just Big Ben, we love you, but you're not coming back. We're cutting you. They can't do it because it's going to cost them $22 million this year. It's just the cap things make me crazy. Um, but They need to adopt what the ABA did and defer contracts, much like Major League Baseball is paying. The Mets, I think, are still paying. Bonilla, they're, like, guys from the ABA signed this agreement that kept them paid in perpetuity that are still getting paid. Nobody wants to talk about that. But, I mean, so what? So if your organization has to defer money over a course of time, do it. But don't penalize them in the now and make it open to these guys having a chance to play wherever they want. You can't get drafted just because you, you don't get rewarded for sucking. I'm sorry. We're, we're, it's not the federal government, okay? You have, to, you have to step up and do your part and be better so you're worth more. That's it's kind of pretty nose on your face to me, Matt. Jay, are we, are we going to see, um, you know, the idea of how we look at quarterback contracts and whatnot going, I mean, because we just saw Mahomes sign a 10 year deal, you know? So it's like, as soon as I say all this, you know, Mahomes goes and signs the 10 year $500 million deal or whatever with the chiefs last year. And, and we're just like, ah, and you know, but who knows like what, what year seven, right? Andy Reid's retired and Mahomes is no longer happy in KC or something like that. You know, it's going to be like getting out of that contract, cap hits, all that stuff. So, I mean, are, are we going to see some change? You know, did Tom Brady maybe flip the script for everybody on, on what we're going to see quarterback contracts look like in the future? No, I will say Tom Brady is smart and he's figured out how to rig the system. Take a little less, make sure you're on a team that's a contender, get lots of, of ad revenue and, and other uh, sponsorships, other sorts of revenue streams coming in for you. But Brady's game, the system. But I think people are missing a major point here, which is all these problems that these quarterback contracts create are the reason the NFL is still controlling the, the media right now, even when the season is in its deadest period, right? They love this trouble. This is good trouble. It's trouble that keeps them leading the news instead of the NBA midseason or MLB gearing up to start in just about a month now, one month from like today or something, right? So, so what we see here is something that's a, a good trouble. It's a good problem for the NFL. Right. If all these quarterbacks were secure and happy and everything was happy, they would not be the lead today, but they are. So they like this problem. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's, I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that. In the end of the day, this is entertainment. You know, like we keep acting like this is life or death. Where's Watson going to end up? Where's Russell going to end up? When really these, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know, Chad, what do you think, man? Or is, is it going to be the change of contracts or, or is this just going to be business as usual and, Ch and Jay's right, the NFL loves it? No, he's right on, on the NFL loves it part, that for sure. They, you always look for any ancillary marketing opportunities off season 
the NBA has made a fortune off that. And, you know, Major League Baseball prior to that had always been the hot stove league and the, the, the churning of, of trade opportunities during the offseason. The NFL does absolutely love it. But do I think that means it's not going to change? No, it's going to change. This is, this is going to have to change. Just like you see the NCAA right now putting up a, 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 um, a bill I don't know where it came from. We'll have to check me on this, but you know, that these kids can finally start making money on their likeness and, and uh, the opportunities for the college athlete is changing. Everything in the landscape of sports is changing and maybe it's COVID, you know, maybe, maybe that's forced everybody to have to look at, at the reality of things. I mean, if, if you're, if you're a, a fantastic athlete in today's, terms why would you not try to be a midfielder for uh, uh, uh one of the european huge soccer teams i mean there's so many more opportunities things are going to change man this is the the landscape of all of it is changing and right in front of us and these guys you know tatis i can't blame him these guys that sign these long deals i mean mahomes of course you sign mahomes i mean that's a that's a there are exceptions to every rule you know, there, there's that one dynamic entity that you invest in when you know you see it, when it's Michael Jordan, and that's what you got. So you invest. Yeah, go ahead. But the rest of these guys, they're expendable parts. They just change and navigate through and find the best opportunity for themselves and their family. That's how it should be. If that's, if that's how it, it goes, if that's how we restructure this, so – it empowers the players to have more flexibility. So the teams are driven by who they want to play with. I mean, that's why you see, like you said, die. that's Brady takes less so they can, they can go on and, and build a team around them. But if you get all of those guys, LeBron did it. Those guys, that's what they want. They want to play for a chance to win. They're going to only play for a certain number of years. They want a chance to win. It's got to change. Why wouldn't you go be Leo Messi instead of Rob Bronkowski? Look at the numbers. Look at what you get to do, the lifestyle you'd have, the traveling with your family, European all over the place. You play once every five, six days. I mean, and you make the more money than all these dudes. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo, wasn't, Ronaldo wasn't hiding his tax returns because he was not getting paid. Come on. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, like I said, that, uh, that, that, that we're sitting here and, 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 and we're, so we're used to generational quarterbacks. I mean, we're used to guys not leaving teams. And now all of a sudden, um, I remember how shocking it was when Cutler left uh, Denver for Chicago. It was like, oh, you never have a guy leaving his prime. And now you've had, you got Wentz moving. You've got Stafford moving. And, 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 and we, we're wondering, waiting for some of these generational guys to retire. So, Jay, is Drew Brees going to retire? Because I keep hearing he's going to retire. It's even been said. Uh, Cameron Jordan uh, has been told by Sean Payton, the team's been told by Sean Payton that Jameis Winston is supposed to be the guy for next year. I is that going to be the case? Uh, you know, I hope it is. And I hope he like does it quick. Look, I, I don't think even with, with Breeze restructuring and everything that the Saints can do, I don't think they can get someone like Russ, but you do need to re-sign guys that you have. The Saints have serious cap problems, and Breeze has always been a team player. If he's retiring, the best thing he can do with the season starting, franchise tags available now, restructuring, free agent market, is, is throw that retirement party today. If you're going to go, go now, be a team player, so that your general manager and your ownership can get the ship right and prepare for, for the succession, for your heirs to take over. I, I think Breeze is retiring. I just don't know why he's taking so long. At this point, it starts to it starts to hurt the team. Maybe they're just planning the COVID party. Like the whole team knows, and they're trying to plan a party, but they, you know, for his retirement, but COVID. They're like, we we keep waiting for like New Orleans to drop some restrictions. I don't know, Chad. He, he's going to retire, right? He has to. I mean, look. Yes, the answer is yes. He has to quit. He has to quit for the betterment of the organization, for his legacy, for who he is. He's now openly being mocked about returning. It's kind of an ongoing meme joke, even in Saint fan uh, realms. I mean, there, it, it's no, no real true diehard Saints fan thinks that they can win with him. And I'm not saying they're going to commit to Jameis because I'm not ready to believe that. I'm not ready to buy that yet. I think they're kicking tires as hard as anybody. And when Russ said, hey, maybe I'd come play for New Orleans, you think their ears didn't go up? You think Michael Thomas isn't available? 
like four first round picks, maybe Cameron Jordan. What are you doing here? I mean, you got to think about if you can get that guy on your team and you can hand the baton like that, you better be trying everything you got, even how over the cap you are in the worst way in any other organization in the league. But if Drew gives you a cut on defer some money, you know, maybe you can work some something. Michael Thomas is expendable at this point. I mean, the NCAA spits out receivers. You don't need Thomas. You can replace him. But you don't get a chance to go from Drew Brees to Winston, Taysom Hill, or Russell Wilson. You've got to go in, put all paddles in the water, and go at Wilson right now because clearly he's not happy. He wants – he's dancing. He wants out. So the Saints, they're clever. Loomis is a great GM. They could figure out a way – I'm just saying I I would be pushing all my chips in to help uh, get Breeze's help to even court Russell to the Big Easy. I'm telling you that. Jay, are you with are you with Chad on that? Are you with him on that? Would you push all as many chips as you could to get Russ to to New Orleans? Or or, I would. I just don't think there. I just don't think it's possible. I do not see the mathematics working out. I had the same situation with the Steelers and JJ Watt, where like. Man, it's a tough one. The Steelers have, have two other guys named Watt. Why not have the whole family on your team, right? Sounds great. Not sure they can make it work financially. And the Steelers are closer to being able to do that than the Saints would be to being able to take on Russell Wilson. That said, I'm with, with Chad Jackson. If, if, if Mickey Loomis can get some, some, some black magic, get some voodoo working down there, <laughs> right, and get, uh, get, get Russ, because that, that would be the best transition ever. And it's so instantaneous. And as we mentioned earlier, Russ can run both playbooks. He can play the Breeze playbook and he can play the Taysom Hill playbook. It would be basically seamless and he'd actually have a larger repertoire. You could throw teams off even more just because of his skill set. He doesn't have to run often. It's just that he can run those Hill plays that you're not used to seeing film of Wilson doing anymore. It would be a perfect match. That's why he put it on the list. I think it's a bit of a pipe dream because of the cap for both the Saints and Wilson, but I know both would love that marriage. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I think we Saints have to give up too much to, to get to get. No, they us. don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. I've and seen it, was... it. I've looked at a bunch of different scenarios. They're gonna have to give up. <laughs> they're gonna have to give up some draft picks, like a bunch of draft picks, and they're gonna have to give up Michael Thomas, and they're gonna have to maybe give up one of those defensive studs. But Russell Wilson behind that line, in in this last postseason, tell me how different things are. Tell me how different things are for those those Saints. Instead of Drew Brees not being able to throw the ball nearly at all, you get Russell Wilson to run that. Where are you right now? I mean, if you just did a straight cross trade and you had to mortgage your future and any more of these draft picks might not be as meaningful, you're looking at the whole landscape of how everybody drafts change right in front of your eyes. Dude, you got to go get this guy. You got to, if you're Loomis and you go to Miss Benson and you say, what? are we doing how where what purse strings do we have to figure out who has to get paid what you have to go get russell wilson it's the and and i think <laughs> drew Brees being in la you know they say he's working out no la is the hub of entertainment he's going to learn his craft and he's also trying to help the saints you know he is i mean so you you think he wants to see his pod in a fail he's gonna set Peyton up as hard as he can and how would you not go after wilson you got to push all chips in, dude. It's it would the Saints are the Super Bowl favorite the second it happens, no matter what they give up. All right, I'm just I'm just not as high on Russ as you, as you guys are. That's all. I'm just not nearly as high on Russ. Um, all right, so Big Ben J. Um, look, let, let's be honest here. What are you What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with Big Ben? What are you doing? I mean, you're bringing him back. It's a start. I don't know. And I got to say that I think people are looking at the wrong thing here. I don't think Ben is the Steelers' biggest issue or their biggest concern right now. We, we saw something happen in Pittsburgh over the last two weeks that we almost never see, which, which is we've seen the general manager, Kevin Colbert, who's been there for 20 years, try to negotiate with a player in the media because the player and or his agent clearly weren't dealing with the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then what does Ben do? Does he go to his agent? Does he go to the general manager? No, he tries to go over their head and go to the Rooney family, right? <laughs> right? Like, totally crazy move on both behalves. 
And then the Rooney family, being smart business owners, they have been for a hundred some odd years now, right? They, 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 they go in and they say, oh, we love Ben and we'd love to have him back. We just have to work out this contract thing. We can't promise anything today, which is the right way to play it. It's what Colbert should have said in the first place, right? But here's the thing. Colbert is nearing retirement, just like Ben is. And which is more important to your franchise? I really don't care if the Steelers take Ben back or not. Having him back is great, especially with the guys like, like Haskins. Let Ben in there. Ben starts screwing up and put Haskins in there. It's the same body type, same big arms, same bad attitude, unfortunately. You could see Haskins learning the game from Ben. They're very similar players. It would make a lot of sense, right? But I don't really care. If you get rid of Ben, that's cool too. Then let Haskins fight it out with whoever you draft in the draft. But you got to do what Kevin Colbert wants. Kevin Colbert has been there this entire century. He's the guy who drafted Ben. But he's also the guy who drafted Troy, who brought in Harrison, who drafted, oh, my God, the receivers, Plexico Burris, San Antonio Holmes, Antonio Brown. He's the guy who drafted Le'Veon Bell. And people were like, who the heck is Le'Veon Bell, right? He's the guy who traded for Jerome Bettis. And people were like, why would you trade for a fat running back who's not very fast? He runs like a 6.040. Why are you trading for this guy, right? <laughs> Didn't seem to make sense. He's the guy who traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. From the Dolphins, who everybody considered washed up and busted up, why the heck would the Steelers give up a first-round pick for this Fitzpatrick failure? And now everybody in Pittsburgh wears a Fitzpatrick jersey, right? I don't care what happens with Ben. I care what happens with Colbert. When you have a general manager that good, you appease him. And the Roonies would be wise to bring Ben back only if Colbert wants him back. Because Ben physically can't do his job in the next 12 to 24 months. Either way, he's aging out. Colbert is much older, but he's in a front office job and done a great job for two decades. You keep him happy. People are looking at the wrong guy to please. You please your great GM. That's how you keep winning. Do you think Big Ben is souring that relationship by, uh, you know, going over the top, you know, and, and getting that Rooney love, Jay? Uh, unquestionably. And, and I think the Rooneys were smart to not make any promises. You'll note they said, oh, we'd love to have him back, but we have to work on this contract thing. They, they, they left it open-ended, like, hey, we can't promise anything. We love him. We'd love to have him back. He's a great guy. He took us to three Super Bowls and one, two. We love Ben. Uh, but let's see what happens with the contract. And I hope they just let Colbert make the decision. Because if you lose Ben, and in the process, in a year, you lose Ben, whether he stays or goes, and then you lose the general manager who's brought you such success, now you've lost the quarterback and the guy who would be most capable of replacing that quarterback. It's a bad one-two punch. you got to take care of the GM here. What do you think, Chad? Do you see how many games do you see Big Ben star next year? Because I mean, I see Big Ben kind of flaming out, like Eli did up of the Giants, where like he played and then it was like, uh, yeah, we're, we're we're kind of slowly done. I think Jay is so money on this. I think that is like the most spot on analysis. That's his squad, so you know he's got the insider intel, no doubt. But come on, that's that is exactly right. I mean, even up to the Haskins and he being uh, mirror images of each other. So, you know, why wouldn't you roll the dice? Let him take as much of a cut as he'll take to be team friendly in the waning part of his career in an organization that has made him his, his image and everything else that comes with it. Why would you not stick with it? He has to. It's that or he's done. He's probably starts – you know, he's always hurt, so he's going to miss four games just going in before whatever other injury he suffers during the course of the season is. So does he play eight games? Plays eight <laughs> That's games. exactly right. And then when he misses that two-game period, you get to see if Haskins should replace him permanently or if you're going to ride him out for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm seeing Haskins by like week eight or nine. I'm with you guys. And probably then for the rest of the year, or, or, or unless you guys draft somebody, who knows, then you guys could be flipping it up between three guys or something. I don't know. If, if they started out 11-0 and 0 again, would you put Haskins in? Gosh, if they start out 11-0 and 0 again, I mean, what, is Big Ben on steroids in the offseason? I have no idea. Um, I mean, he is he, he going to piss clean, you know? He uh, went ben and Breeze do the same thing, though. And Ben and Breeze have done the same thing for a few years where, like, they are not the same guy in week 15 and 16 than they are in week two and three. It's that simple. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's why I can see Ben coming out for six, seven games, maybe making it to week eight. But I see it like a, you know, just a slow transition. to. But I don't know what y'all's future is, you know. not It's not Haskins, I don't think. It's not Mason Rudolph. Is it somebody in the draft? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's there's not really a quarterback in the draft unless you guys move up. And but there's it. quarterbacks everywhere. I mean, it's it's like just <laughs> quarterbacks being thrown. It's like Sharknado in quarterback. Just 
here, have a quarterback. We don't want ours. We're going to draft some random third rounder. No, I mean, what? It's crazy. It's mayhem in the NFL and quarterback time. So right now is the time to just sit still, be a little bit more quiet, listen, and find out who's really going to do what. Because you could replace anybody. And some of these bad organizations like Carr, we're going to get to later. Why would John Gruden go off John, of, of Derek Carr right now? Why would he go off of him? They're not good enough. They don't need – that's not the next thing they need to be great. Their defense is just average. So make their defense great, draft a defense, and then trade Carr. Carr's still good. He's as good as Tannehill. He's as serviceable as 90% of these guys. But you There's could argue, Chad, you could argue that Russ goes to the Raiders and all of a sudden, you know, you draft some defense and Russ goes to the Raiders and the Raiders are a Super Bowl caliber team. You could argue that. You could argue that. If, if Gruden has enough of a defensive presence around him personnel-wise to help him fix that problem on that side of the ball because they have skill guys – they have a good offensive line, good enough. They can draft even, you know, he's already shown he knows how to draft offensive guys, but they got to fix the defense. And at least he'd be kept upright. That's the thing, like, with the Saints, why I keep going back to the Saints. He would be kept most upright in the best overall team environment with a chance to win-wise in New Orleans. Of the teams he's listed that he would divorce himself for. So, you know, the Raiders stick with Carr, stick with Carr, or even stick with Mariota because you're not there yet. You're not, you're not personnel wise there on the level to compete. So why go out and overpay for somebody who you're not going to be able to even really use to his best ability and waste his time. Let him go to the saints, figure out how the, the whole NFL is better. If Russell Wilson is a saint. No, I mean, look, you, we'll see. We'll see. I think I'm with you. The Raiders are not there yet, but they're close, man. They're close to Gruden picking his quarterback. And you're right. There's a lot of serviceable quarterbacks out there. We're going to see some guys probably not move who um, who we thought might move or want to move. And in Texas, real quick, who signs first? Because I don't think either of these guys are going anywhere. I think Dax and Dallas and, and, and Deshaun Watson is going to be in Houston, whether, whether they want to or not. I guess, you know, Deshaun signed. So maybe who shows up for camp first, maybe? Is it Dak or Deshaun, Jay? Uh, Dak signs and stays, and then he signs a big deal with a mediocre team immediately after. Becomes a zillionaire. Uh, Watson holds out and becomes the soap opera that lasts probably into week one. Wow. So you think you think Dak signs, what, like just a one-year contract or something and then moves next year or something like that? Or you think he, he signs and then gets traded? What, what do you think? Uh, you know, it, I, I've said this before, uh, and actually I think, I think Mike Greenberg said it this morning, too, <laughs> oddly enough. It's Kirk Cousins part two. We've seen this dance before, right? The quarterback isn't good enough for you to give him some Patty Mahomes type deal, some Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson deal. He ain't get, you're not giving. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, but he's in that, I don't know, bottom of the top 10, maybe top 15 area. We're like, no, you're not putting your whole team in his hands, but you also can't get rid of him because your fans will freak out. You're stuck in this weird Kirk Cousins no man land. So you franchise him, you franchise him, you let him go. It's just what happens. All right, Chad, what do you think, man? Which, uh, which quarterback controversy in Texas is taken care of first, Dax or Deshaun's? That's a really solid bet in Vegas, isn't it? Uh, you should probably look it up, see if it's a prop. It might be. Because this is, I don't think, going to end well for either Texas team. I think they're going to lose both of them. I think they're both gone. And if you don't see Russell Wilson in New Orleans, the Sulphur kid might make a little bit a sense also as a next guy because he fits enough of what Sean Payton wants to do as that hybrid between a thrower and a, a runner and escape artist. So I'm sneaky landing spot for Dak is New Orleans. That don't, don't be surprised if you see some conversation starting that way, but I don't see Deshaun staying in Houston. I think he'll hold out. He's made it pretty clear. He said he will. He'll, he'll take, you know, or he'll go to camp and do the, you know, very least possible and make it uncomfortable for everybody to have to watch it. You know, nobody wants that. That's not best for the organization. Neither of these guys want to be there. That's my, my take on it. I don't think everybody wants to say that 
Dak and Jerry play nice. I, I don't. I just don't see it. I mean, he's disrespected Dak enough through the press at this point. That why, if you had a chance to control your destiny, why would you want to stick there on a team that sucks? It makes no sense to me. Deshaun can't want to stay there. The whole team's deteriorating around him. Everybody leaving. Organizationally screwed. Got to get out. They're both gone. Who goes first? Eesh. Go to go to Vegas and give me the number on that. I'll, I'll be interested. <laughs> so, guys, I mean, there's a lot of other quarterback stuff going on. As we saw, you know, um, you know, Alex Smith in Washington. You know, I mean, Taylor Henneke played that awesome playoff game. I, you know, who's going to be back? Then the GQ interview comes out this past week, Jay, and and uh, I mean that that might be it for Alex Smith in Washington, one way or the other. Regardless, we've talked about the Raiders. Talk about the Bears being interested in every trade for quarterback, it seemed like, and not getting anybody. So what are they, stuck with Foles? Uh, Eagles got rid of Wentz, so they're going with Hurts? What are the Patriots doing? What are the Jets doing? I mean, you've heard the Panthers are interested in some guys. And, Chad, I mean, your 49ers, they, they haven't won a Garoppolo since the Super Bowl. So, I mean, a- any of these teams really interesting for you guys in, in, in terms of what they're going to do with quarterbacks going forward? I mean, I, I could jump in here, I guess. I, I, I think – that Alex Smith interview was amazing. Just from a journalistic perspective, it was a really, really good interview. And it also feels like a bridge burner, man. Look, Washington has enough issues. They have a coach who's just recovering from cancer. They, they, they just finally got rid of their racist mascot. They, they've had like a, 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 a sexual harassment scandal with, with their cheerleaders and their female employees. The Washington football team has just been a disaster. Now you have Alex Smith like, they didn't even want me back. My life is so hard. Oh, pity me. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Get rid of him and sign Fitzmagic. That's the way to go. Wow, Fitz Magic. You didn't, you didn't like Taylor Henneke knife? I, I thought he was worth rolling out again. What do you think, Chad? I think he's worth a risk, but but you you, you ain't going to put all your eggs in that basket, man. Fitz Magic, you could. Fair enough, fair enough. Bring Fitz Magic on, have both of them there. Chad, what do you think? Which quarterback situation out of those is most interesting to you? Or, or tell me about your Niners, if nothing else. Okay, quick question, fellas, because I don't know the answer. I'm looking here at my notes that I've scribbled. Um, early this morning is Trubisky definitely out in Chicago I mean I, I I've heard that pretty much if they don't do anything it's they're going with Foles if they don't get any of these guys in in a trades or whatever I've heard Foles but is, he's not under contract somewhere else who Trubisky no Trubisky's yeah. still so Trubisky's still part of Chicago in some way as far as I know yeah. okay see I'm I'm gonna just be boring here probably I mean Tr- I think Trubisky and Foles both stick in Chicago they're not they're another team they're kind of like the Raiders not good enough to compete we don't know if Allen Robinson even wants to stay they they don't know what they're doing in the backfield it's a constant revolving carousel so why go spend money on a quarterback why not sign Trubisky on a short deal, give him every fire on his ass incentive-wise to be better, and keep Foles as a backup and let – I mean, look, if you got to trade, you know, Mac, if you got to – whatever you got to – you have to – at this point, you're in a rebuild. It's like the Eagles. It's like the Raiders. You're rebuilding. You're not ready to compete for being amongst the best. So they're out. Hurts, same. He's going to stay. Darnold, same. Why would you get rid of Darnold? That makes no sense. Panthers seem to really want Deshaun Watson a lot. Niners seem to really want to get rid of Garoppolo, which I can't make sense of. But if there's a backup plan, if they could somehow – I like Fitz as a Niner. Okay? I'm going to leave it there. Fitz Magic as a Niner. Low-key competition for a chance to be in the Super Bowl if everybody's healthy. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue for the Bears like I kind of argue for the Raiders, man. I think the Bears are maybe a quarterback away. You know, I think they have the running game in David Montgomery. They got the wide receiver in Allen Robinson. I know they got other guys. I'm sure if Russell Wilson was down there, he'd find those other guys. And, and they have a defense, you know. So, I think the, Bear, the Bears made the playoffs last year, let's not forget. So, I think the Bears are closer than – The NFC North and the AFC North are similar, though, and that, like, the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns beat each other up, the, the Packers – Vikings and Bears beat each other up, and none of them can really make the Super Bowl because of it. I mean, that's why the Lions ever make the playoffs, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the Lions and the Bengals are like, it's you like, the two four teams stuck in a division, they just can never win. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, why. 
It's, it's a good question, you know, because, yeah, no, those are some tough defenses in, in, in all those teams. Even the Lions, when they, when they play divisional games, play them tough. They might not play anybody else tough, but they come out there for the divisional games, just like the Bengals do. They come out there and play – I mean, Vontez Perfect was the, was the dirtiest of the dirty in AFC North games, right? So. Oh, yeah, he played two games a year against the Steelers. He Oh, man. All right, so you, you guys both – I love it. You guys both actually have a, a, a wide-up spot for Fitzmagic there. I like it, you know. You both have a place to put him. Oh, poor Fitzmagic. He's the, he's the default QB, right? Like, you're desperate, call up Fitz. <laughs> I, just, I just love, like, you know, checking off the teams he's played for. You know, like, oh, I, I, yep, nope, yep, oh, all right, all right. He's not been a Niner, and Garoppolo can't stay on the field. When he does, we win, but – if you had to have a backup, would you rather beat hard or Fitz? Oh, dude, Fitz, Fitz is like the consummate backup. Technically, you know, I'd even put him on starter level at this point in his career. Like, it feels like he's a guy who just gets better with age, right? He's like some fine wine. Everybody else is flaming out. Sneaky athletic. He's, he's a much better runner than you think he is. He's an evader in the pocket. He's a guy, I'm like, I watch him and I'm like, He's not as big as Ben, but he kind of does some of the same stuff in the pocket to move around and, and get himself free. I mean, he's just – he's – I think the cerebral part of it, he is lucky enough to have played in an era when he didn't get hit like Terry Bradshaw. So his brain is still intact, and that's a Harvard brain, for Christ's sake. Yeah, he's a great leader, too. Guys in the locker room gravitate to him. They pull around him. Uh, there's no doubt he has the leadership skills – that allow him to play above his physical level. Well, Chad, you want Fitzmagic on your Niners, but looking at the draft projections, all right, Mel Kuyper's been putting these things out, and I've been paying attention because I, I had the ESPN Plus or whatever, you know. So um, he's got Justin Fields going to your Niners via trade-up. How would you feel about Justin Fields quarterbacking your Niners? No. That was easy. No. <laughs> no. No. There's, there's – look, there's quarterbacks. They're going to be – look – don't get sold on something when you already have something better. If, if you can keep them on the field, go spend less money and lock yourself. I mean, unless you're going to draft them and trade it, you got your strengths. You know what your strengths are. You have to build around your weaknesses. What are your weaknesses? And we all know what those are. They've got to redraft that line. They've got good running backs that don't know how to stay healthy. It, no. There's everybody – Billy Bean made his money – and understanding the value in a draft. Everybody is drafting offensive players in this draft. That means you're going to get the best defensive guy. You make that smart play. You, you go against the grain here. There's, there's the, the talent pool is too deep in this draft offensively. Go after the best player at your weakest spot. And we got too many of those to, to think that a quarterback is the right decision in a draft, especially to trade up for. No way. No way. Jay, I, I put down like the top seven on our list here of a quarterback projected uh, projected in the draft coming up. Are any of these guys interesting to you as, as a Steelers fan, you know, maybe later, you know, like would, would Mac Jones, for instance, uh, Alabama's quarterback, be somebody that you could see um, uh, the Steelers looking at, you know? I mean, because you guys, you know, need a quarterback maybe of the future. Would, do you see him in this draft if, if, or, or, or are you looking elsewhere? I, I don't see Mac Jones for the Steelers. I could see Mac Jones for, for Chad's Niners or for the Patriots. Mac Jones is a guy who needs a system like Alabama, right? He's, he's not a Justin Fields. I could see Ju the Steelers won't move up to get Justin Fields, I don't think. I think it's too risky. I think the Steelers are too smart to do that. They might take somebody like Davis Mills from Stanford very late on a flyer for their third string guy while they're working out the replacement for Ben. That's probably more the Steelers style this year, right? But I think... Fields is a guy who, who works on a, a, a sort of system where he would work with the Panthers who need a quarterback, right? I think Mac Jones is a guy who belongs in a Belichick, Shanahan, very systematic quarterback. So I think Mac Jones is a guy you could see with the Niners or with the Patriots. Those are the two types of th teams that he would thrive with. All right. either, either of you not taking Lawrence with the number one pick this year? I, I honestly could um, make an argument for that tight end. All right. That'd, All be, right. that'd be it. That'd be the only argument. All right, we'll talk about Kyle Pitts in a second here. Uh, Jay, what do you? What about you, man? You you, you got to take. I mean, we've been talking about Lawrence for like three years. You know, I mean, come on, Chad. You he was your guy. If he could come out out of a freshman year, he would have been the number one pick. So, yeah, and that goes to my point. 
You go to college to leverage your opportunity to make money. Two years ago, he would have made more money if he was allowed to come out. Two years ago, he would have been the number one pick. Now, he's still going to be the number one pick. Don't get me wrong. But did he do anything to increase his value over those two years? I don't think so. Probably, if anything, has left us with more questions about his ability and his leadership only. So how is that fair to the kid? How is that fair? I mean, at 18 years old, you can do, go do everything else in the world, but you can't go earn the same amount of money as no, that's just wrong. It's inherently wrong. You got to fix that. But Lawrence is number one. Yes, he is. But I, I would be looking at, at the, uh, who's the, uh, the linebacker from A&M. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different defensive talent in this. And I would be angling myself to take advantage of those edge rushers or an offensive lineman. That's where you always, you can't go wrong. That kid Sewell, you, how are you not drafting him in the top five? Yeah, I think you're crazy if you don't, especially if you're a team that absolutely is in a position of need. So, and who doesn't need more offensive linemen? They get hurt all the time. Jay, you throwing all your money in behind Lawrence, number one? I am, especially if I'm the Jags. You need a quarterback. You have a good offensive line. You have that great, uh, great undrafted running back, James Robinson. Uh, a battery of receivers, a growing defense. I think the Jags would be foolish to take anybody else or to trade away the pick. Urban Meyer, get this team into the playoffs next year? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put anything past Urban Meyer. Like You're going to laugh about the Jags and Urban Meyer all we want. Uh I mean, consider, you know, what, what team so far this century has produced the most NFL players. It's not LSU. It's not Alabama. It's Ohio State. That guy can work some magic. Don't be surprised if they're in the wild card race. All right. So quick hits real fast as we get out of the NFL. J.J. Watt reportedly getting offers in the 15 mil range. Browns, Titans, your Steelers, and the Bills, all rumored to be in contention. Jay, where does he go and why? I'm holding out for the Steelers, man. I'm holding out hope. So you can have the whole Watt family on the field together every Sunday. It's the only way to go. Hopefully the Steelers will work out Ben's contract, make the cap space and get him in there. I think it's the, it's the right answer for everybody. Chad, where does he go, man? Where's JJ Watt go and why? He's a smart enough marketer to understand the opportunity. He knows the value and what a Pittsburgh Steeler with his brothers means. That's where he's going. That's how it's going to land. I don't care how you slice it. That's why he's going to be a Cleveland Brownie. That's right. Played against his brothers twice a year. That's what he's looking for there. Cleveland Browns, J.J. Watt, and Baker Mayfield, and Miles Garrett. Get ready. All right. Kyle Pitts, we mentioned him a second ago, the Florida tight end, currently going number four in the mock draft, according to Mel Kuyper. It's the highest tight end ever is Vernon Davis at six. For a little more perspective, T.J. Hawkinson just went eight to the Lions in 2019. Is that too high to take a tight end, Jay? Four? No. I, heck, I'm with Chad here. You could take a tight end first. Consider, consider the two teams that made the Super Bowl and, and who their leading receivers are, right? You got Gronk on one side and you got Kelsey on the other. Don't get me wrong. Like, like they might not have the highest total, but these are tight ends who are bringing in over 1,000 yards a year who are getting 8, 9, 10, 12 touchdowns a year. Tight end is the position right now. It's gone from a guy who blocks and catches two or three passes a game to a guy who can block or can release off the block and catch for 20 or, or, or can be a slot receiver. There's no doubt that tight end is the position evolving fastest and most necessary to your success offensively behind only quarterback. It, 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 I would draft tight end before a wide receiver or a running back nowadays. They're that important, and there's that few, few good tight ends out there. Chad, you'd actually take him one, maybe? Yeah, look, dude, for all of Jay's points, he lines up at the end of the line and can block. He's not just some guy who goes and catches passes like Tony Gonzalez, which he does. He's not just that. He blocks. And you can line him up out wide. He's fast enough. He's rangy enough to be a, a slot receiver or even an outside guy on certain routes. And you could probably line him up in the backfield and get some juice out of him that way. Dude is one of those Swiss Army knives like you like, Matt. I mean, that's that's what he is. He's a guy who you could H back. You could put him all over the field. I mean, he could probably play defensive end if he had to. I mean, the guy is just a studly athlete. His comps run similar to what Kelsey's are. This, this is a no-brainer. To me, it's the biggest no-brainer in all of the draft. 
And I'm, I'm again, going back to, I would be trying to leverage the opportunity defensively, but in this draft, I'm almost ahead of Lawrence with this guy in terms of his level of contribution to your future. Just, just too many, too many other opportunities for him to be on the field. He's, he's sensational. He's a difference maker. And to Jay's point, this is where the game is going. This is how the game is starting to be played. You get those smaller freak athletes on the outside and let them run around, but you soften up that middle with a good solid run, a good solid tight end. And then Andy Reid, who gets to create all kinds of things on his magic board, that's what you do. That's, but you got to have a guy like this. And it's almost impossible to get one. Hey, look, I, you guys—you guys are selling me more and more. I thought four was a little high, but then I started thinking about it. You know, you're right. It, it, it's rare to see a tight end like this. You gotta take him. So that said, there's four or five quarterbacks projected to go in the top ten. A tight end and at least three wide receivers in Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddle. Is this the most offensive heavy draft we've seen in a while? Because as you've been pointing out, Chad. We, you know, usually you're talking about defense, getting a linebacker, getting a, an, a, an end rush, you know, something. But, but we haven't really talked about that at all in terms of this draft. No, we haven't. And there's plenty to talk about. But it's, again, I think more an indicator. And we can talk about some of these names that potentially make a difference. I mean, look at some of the rookie names in the Super Bowl. These, these are guys that were contributive only a year ago. So um, you got to really hit on those first-round picks. I mean, what about you, Jay? Do you think that uh, that with this many quarterbacks, this many wide receivers, this is going to be a draft that we end up, you know, seeing maybe flame out because it's so offensive heavy? You know, I mean, usually when we have <laughs> – Yes, I, that's exactly right. All right. I think this is not a draft class we'll be looking at back on as a, a you know, a, a, an L.A. Marino-type draft. I, I don't think we're going to be wowed by a lot of these guys. Don't get me wrong. A couple of these quarterbacks could be really good. Mac Jones in the right system could be exceptionally good, but he has to land in the right system. Justin Fields can be really creative, but, but he's going to need some, some coaching up to, to handle the situation. Trevor Lawrence looks like a rock star, but as often as first round number one picks work out, they just as often don't work out. Um, I think teams are, are kind of desperate because of this quarterback carousel, and that's going to make that high up there. And then don't forget offensive linemen. Teams that have gotten their quarterback in the past are going to go O-line. Uh, the, the Bengals, they're picking fifth, and you know they're taking O-linemen after what happened to Burrow, and we're going to see that as well. We're going to see a lot of offense this draft. Uh, defense will wait. You'll see corners. You'll see secondary go first, maybe one or two edge rushers, but it's going to be a largely offensive draft. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, no, I'm just waiting to see how many of these quarterbacks end up flaming out because when you have this many quarterbacks in the top ten technically or in the top or the first round, you always have two or three that, you know, don't make it. I feel like this is like the Jake Locker year. Was it like Locker and Blaine Gabbert and all these guys? You're like, why? You never you never actually draft these guys in a real draft. You just – you need a quarterback that bad, huh? Uh, yeah, there's some desperation. Oh, man. All right, so other sports are trying to take the, uh, N- the NFL's place. Can't seem to do it. But baseball made a little bit of a bubble this week, Jay. Uh, the Mariners' president CEO – you know, he kind of ran his mouth back in February at a, at a Rotary Club meeting. A bunch of awful things said. Don't want to get into it too much. But, but he made the, the, the interesting comment about service time, man. And, um, you know, really, we all know it exists. We, we've talked about it before. You know, we talked about it last season with, uh, with Vlad Jr. You know, but, but here is a president and CEO actually, like, admitting to it. So is this going to – reverberate change the landscape at all or or is this just going to still be business as usual in some ways i think it will be business as usual until the next contract and then i think it stops and i think this is what the mlbpa the major league baseball players association has been waiting for forever they've been waiting like look this guy's comments uh, his his clear xenophobia and, and some of the things he said about former and current players just out the way uh, i kick him out the door i mean he resigned if not you'd have to kick him out the door but I think the thing that changes from this long term is the way that baseball teams don't bring guys up until about the all-star break. So that it doesn't count as a full year. So they control their contract for even longer. You know, last week I, I, I made fun of Draymond Green because I don't think it's a big deal if a basketball team pays a guy $300,000 to sit on the bench because he's healthy. In fact, that's respectable, right? It's like, look, we're going to have to trade you or release you. 
So we're going to keep you on the bench and keep you healthy because we can trade you. If we leave you on the floor and you get hurt, you land funny and bust your ankle, guess what? We're releasing you and you ain't making money, right? So it's respectful, actually, to keep Andre Drummond and Street Clothes on the bench so he can make money and continue to make money into the future. What baseball does with its players by keeping them in the minors, pulling them up halfway through the year, and they're being like, oh, well, they didn't play a whole year, so we get another year of their contract. We get another year till they get to make their big money. Now, that is unfair. That's a place where, where a league is abusing its players. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm relieved the Mariners president and CEO, well, obviously he's a fool. If he was going to make a mistake, I'm glad he made this one too, because I think we're going to see change out of it. And it's going to be two or three years. It's going to be whenever their next contract is, but we're going to see this result in baseball being more equitable for young players. And then what happens if that young player is being kept in the minors and he gets hurt? He never gets that money. So this is a super unfair system, something that's needed change for a long time. And it took somebody uh, breaking the code of silence here. So I'm glad this happened. Yeah, no, I, I guess I'm kind of surprised, you know, because we always hear about how powerful the, uh, the MLB Players Association is. And, and we know it because we see their contracts and everything else. But, but this seems like some minor detail that just never got addressed or something, you know? I mean, it's just, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this to be um, still an issue, you know, and, and I, I didn't realize it was till you guys brought it up last year with Vlad Jr. And then, you know, you go look up and it's like, they did this to Bryce Harper. They did this to a number of, of, of players who are considered quote unquote superstars, like you said, to, to, to keep them for an extra year in a sense. So I'm, I'm just surprised that maybe this is only really being addressed now in some ways. Yeah, but all the better. If somebody was going to make a major misstep, I'm glad they made it a misstep that can actually change things for the better. And, you know, baseball should really look at a guy like Kyler Murray who could have gone to baseball, but, you know, and maybe he loves football more. Sure, that's true. But when you look at the longevity and what's going to happen to your career, if you go into baseball, they're probably going to try to keep you in the minors for a year and a half to two years and extend your service time. Or you go to football, you're going to be on the field and making money the next year, right? Now, don't get me wrong, some guys in baseball need that year of minor leagues to get up to snuff, but keep them on contract, keep them on pace. Then you'll have Kyler Murray's playing shortstop or outfield for the A's instead of playing quarterback for the Cardinals, and you'll be a more competitive league. Nobody bitched about Frank Thomas going through the minors, playing for Birmingham. Dude, I stood at the batting cages when I was in Huntsville watching the dude. He and Alex Fernandez. Alex Fernandez threw a uh, uh, seven-inning no-no on the backside of a doubleheader against Huntsville. But nobody, nobody bitches about it 10 years ago. You know, Frank Thomas, let's not forget the quality athlete he was. He had to go through the minor leagues. That's how it works. That's, that's the reality of it. You're, you're not good enough immediately. I mean, Bob Horner went straight from ASU to the, the Atlanta Braves, but how many did? Not many. Almost none. So, it's a, it's a different sport. It's a different thing. And to Jay's point, if they did something more to make their brand sexy, they, they could compete. But they're losing the inner city athlete, and they're losing what in my heyday, I mean, all the kids that I grew up with, there was plenty of, of black kids playing baseball. They need to do more to reach out because baseball is a longer career. Kyler Murray would have been better served to – Ultimately, he's already hurt. He already finished the season hurt. I mean, he's playing second base for the A. You can't. It's hard life to beat, dude. I mean, unless you're going to go play soccer, you'd play baseball or golf. All right, so closer to home, guys. But we'll, you know, sit in the NBA. Zion makes the all-star team and technically his first official, you know, season. Um, you know, you can count last season whether or not you want to. Uh, being shortened and obviously pandemic not that this one isn't pandemic, but how do you feel about his ascension so far, Chad? Has he been, has he been what you've expected Zion to be? Has he been not enough? Because it seems to be that he's, he's gotten mixed reviews so far from people I ask. Well, then they need to get their eyes shut. The dude's a freak. He is a total freak. He is the antithesis of every analytic in the current run of the NBA. Go watch the end of that Denver game, and then we can talk about analytics. Zion shoots over 60% from the floor and scores next to the rim on all kinds of different angles. He's Charles Barkley with a, a hint of, of I, man, I don't even know. The guy around the rim, is. there's nothing you can do about it. This team has got the right enough weapons to see them be something come playoff times. I am overwhelmed with 
Zion's greatness. I was wrong. I thought his body, he wouldn't be able to control it. And he's already starting to look a little bit heavier. He needs to maybe cut back the, the po'boys and the oysters. You know, he needs to look at look a little of that. But dude is unbelievable. As much of a must-watch dude as I've seen in the NBA since Steph and Clay, LeBron, just must-watch every night because he does things that nobody else can do. Nobody else. And he attacks the rim in a way that nobody else does. His team is, is if kept intact, poised to make a nice little postseason run. Is that going to be enough? I mean, Jay, we've kind of seen this before with, 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 with the Pelicans and that, and when they had AD, you know, they had the brow, you know, he's transcendent. He's this amazing player, but still not enough. And the brow then leaves, goes to Lakers, wins a championship. So are, are, are the Pelicans going to be able to, you know, cash in on any of this upward momentum with Zion or, or is this just going to be kind of business as usual for new Orleans? Oh, man, I hate to say it, but I'm thinking business as usual. I, I, Chad got the happy question. I got the sad one here. Yeah, yeah, Zion looks like the future, but it also looks like uh, a tough situation. I, it's so hard for these mid-market teams to, to get it together. You would think New Orleans being such a great city with such great culture, such great tourism, it's so attractive. And you would think it'd be easier to get people to want to play there, but it's been an issue. I mean, the Pels, to me, made the most sense – for LeBron when it, it looked like he was leaving Cleveland. And at the time they had AD and Rondo. Instead he moved to LA and then got AD and Rondo to come with him. So I, I just feel like we're kind of jinxed or hexed or something. And it, it, it's unfortunate because I do feel like Zion is, is the new face of basketball, but I don't think it makes New Orleans the, as a team the new face of basketball. Brandon Ingram is really good. He is. He is. Like I said, this, this, I'm, really I'm with you. Chad, I'm with you. This New Orleans team should make some sort of playoff run, may, or at least make the playoffs. They will. They're I mean, going to. They're going to. You've not seen the best from Lonzo yet. You know, you've, you've got J.J. Redick in handcuffs. So, I, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do, but it's going to change. Watch. All right. Well, you know, you'll have to keep us posted on that, Chad, because I, I want to believe. I want to believe. All right. So, speaking of the All-Star game, look – Anthony Davis probably isn't going to play. I mean, he's almost definitely not going to play. Should KD even try to play, Chad? No, KD and AD both sit. No point in playing. I mean, is there any point in this All-Star game? I mean, I know we've always said they're probably – but this year more than any, right? No, I mean, with, especially with all the kickback from the players and how much they don't want it. Why would you do this? When you're, when you're going to have all these guys opt out, watch. Watch how many opt out. There's going to be sudden, like, oh, my toe hurts. Oh, I think I have an ingrown hair on my left foot. No, you're going to see guys that suddenly aren't playing because they're sending a message. This is, this is a necessary risk for them and their families, and you're doing it as a money grab and trying to build your brand. Look, you're doing a good job of keeping the NBA afloat, even through this NFL sidebar. Don't, don't you just surrender. <laughs> Nobody needs to see the dunk contest. Nobody see – just quit. Nobody wants to watch it. Yeah, if you take do, it away for a virtual, while. Do the virtual thing. Do do the – I don't know what the virtual comparative would be to – Could you imagine uh, a virtual dunk contest? I'm just thinking, like, like you, you don't have to be on a necessary basketball it. court. You could have them be like, I'm, I'm dunking here off a, you know, whatever, a water slide, you know, whatever it might be. You could have some really crazy dunks going on. I'm jumping from the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Maybe something you know? crazy. Yeah. Jay, man, Katie is one of the captains, dude. Is he going to sit this all-star game? And then, and then how do you feel about it in general? Like this, should it be played? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you heard that sound a moment ago, but I think it was LeBron James back tightening up. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're going you're gonna to hear a lot of this stuff go on, especially in the LeBron case. You have this bad situation where, the NBA basically promised this game to Atlanta and, and to the Hawks and to the arena, and they have contractual obligations. They're making this game go through anyway. And it just couldn't be worse timing because you had that, like, that maskless guy, like, yelling at LeBron, <laughs> right? Like, while they were playing at the Hawks, what, like a month ago or something? Oh, gee, it's just, just horrible bad luck timing for the NBA on this one. Um, yeah, I, I don't really care about the All-Star game. Uh, like a lot of people, I probably enjoy the dunk contest and the the three-point contest. The skills kind of things are more interesting to me. I think last year, I don't know if it was for the All-Star game or something else, for a charity thing, I know they had like an at-home dunk contest that was kind of fun and humorous. 
Uh, I'm with Chad here. You might as well just hang it up for a year. I'm also with you, Matt. Uh, take it away for a year or two, and then maybe it's more special when it comes back. Seems like an unnecessary risk. And man, if it turns into a super spreader event, whoo, then what happens? Yeah, right. There goes the whole NBA season. Maybe that's what they want because they got all three nets on the all-star team. So wait, Ch- wait, I, I, I have to no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go what? Ahead. No, I was going to say, gonna Chad- up, but I'm, I'm going to leave it alone. But no, I'm not. Okay. I think of the NBA all-star game. Like I think of NCAA basketball this year, who cares? Is anybody watching NCAA basketball? Are you guys going to watch the final four? When's the last time you didn't watch the final four? I can promise you, I won't watch it this year. I don't even know who's in, who's good. I mean, Michigan, your boys, Matt. That might be the only reason I'm watching. He's going to be an NBA coach within a year. Uh, but do you know anybody who's good in the NCAAs? Do you watch it anymore? I mean, no. not, I, I just know that Gonzaga, no, you know, Gonzaga's it's, tops, it's, and that's and that's the problem. It's like watch Gonzaga win it this year. No, you know, but you haven't yeah. watched them. You haven't watched yeah. anybody play. It's it's like the NBA All Star game. Nobody wants to watch that. Sorry, it's over. So, Chad, you joining on the Nets bandwagon yet, man? I mean, they've won eight straight NBA leading eight straight games. And they haven't even had they haven't even had they haven't even had KD for most of them, dude. KD's been hurt. It's been it's been Harden. Harden just assisted like leading the league in assists like eleven point two per game. I mean, tell me how I'm a little angry. You're wrong. You're you're right. I mean that I was so wrong. I'm a little I'm a little pissed. I'm not gonna be disingenuous. It's not a it's not a foregone conclusion. They've they've made some roster moves, and it looks like that is means they're going to make some more moves. We'll see if they're able to get Drummond to buy out because he's got bird rights, and there's a lot of machinations and all of it. But you got a, a month, a solid month before it's all over in the NBA in terms of trade deadline and uh, acquisitions. So I don't think the Nets are done, and the Nets have done a very good job of limiting their turnovers. They're not, they're not lazy and irresponsible with the ball like they were, which was giving them a a very bad defensive reading. So they've tightened that part of it up and it's made their, their metrics a lot better. And I'm not a metrics guy, especially in the NBA, but man, I don't want to admit that this could possibly be something I don't want to watch at the end of the season because it's probably just like one of those things I'd want to punch the TV. These uh. It just makes me mad, dude. It makes me angry. And if they get better and they get better players to support around them, I mean, Joe Harris is wicked. Landry Shamit could be real good. Uh, TLC is a, is a player. They got, they got guys. If they can get two more guys, ooh, dude, they could, they could make a little bitty run. You know, they could, as much as I dislike those those three guys, shit, they're good, dude. I mean, it's it's hard to stop that train. I don't want you to be right, Matt. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm just bask I'm basking in this right now, Chad. Jay, Jay, you, you you hopping on this bandwagon too? You know, not not yet. I'm gonna wait and see who wins the Andre Drummond sweepstakes. And I All think right. a lot All of times right. people look at at the flashy flashy players, right? And understandably so, it's exciting to watch guys that are great on offense. But you have the guy who is like the NBA leader and boards for like three years running. I know he didn't like have the raw number of boards last year, but he missed like 20 games. You look at per game, nobody, nobody can, right? Board man gets paid, right? Nobody controls the boards better than Andre Drummond. I think if the Nets get him, they become unstoppable and are unquestionably the favorite. However, I think if the Sixers get him, I'm going to make the Sixers the favorite. What I've seen with Joel Embiid, a player who I've long disliked, is I've seen he now has old man game. If you watched him play this year, like the game is – he says it slows down for him, and he's right. He's playing slow. He's not rushing into the paint. He's backing end when he does his Euro step. It's super slow. People are falling over even though he's not, like, moving crazy fast. He, he plays like your uncle you couldn't beat as a kid now. He's a huge dude. I think the Sixers are the classic post-hype sleeper. I had them uh, uh, beating the Bucks in the East – to get to the title before the Harden trade. Uh, I'm going to stick with them for now, but I want to see where Drummond goes. If he goes with the Sixers, I'll stick with the Sixers. If he goes to the Nets or Bucks, I'll probably go with the Nets. 
I like that. I like that. Look, I, I, I've been saying since Drummond's been mentioned in the Nets that I think that would be unfair. Like that's, like I said, putting KD on those Warriors unfair. You're like, whoa, wait a second here. You already had a really good team, and now you just added a huge piece. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, yeah. no, That's it, the Draymond type piece that makes that like a, a quartet instead of a trio. Exactly, exactly. It's a different type of piece than KD, but the same sort of thing. It's like a missing, missing block that once you put it on there, it's like, wow, now that team's supercharged. So, um, yeah, that might be a little unfair, but I hear you. I wait, wait, wait and see where Draymond or, uh, or Andre Drummond goes. Wait and see where he goes. All right, well, that's pretty much all we got for today. Like I said, NFL, NBA, and a little bit of baseball talk. Hey, look, guys, um, anything else that uh, we should know about in, in the coming week? Anything you want to plug? Juwan Howard is an NBA head coach next year. All right, all right. Ooh, one, one, uh, one month away from baseball, which means – Time to get my fantasy team together. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess we got to start putting together fantasy ideas of what we're going to do for fantasy baseball this year because we didn't do it last year because of the pandemic. So we'll have to figure out what we're doing this year and how we're going to do it. So um, I don't even hey, remember if I know how to play. I can't do I, I don't know. You know how to play, Chad. You know how to play. I think you're pretty good at this. All right. That's all we got for the Tailgate Kings. Check us out on the on our website, www.thetailgatekings.com. Also hit us up on Facebook, on the Twitter, at Kings Tailgate, and on Instagram, at the Tailgate Kings 101. We got all sorts of fun things flowing through there, and also you can find the podcast on Spotify and on Anchor. And uh, that's about it. We'll be back next Friday as we are nearly every Friday right here. The Tailgate Kings, Dr. Die, Chef Chad, Jason, and Casey Jones, the kid. All right, y'all. We're out.